0: those of you who maybe watch different series, you know, I I can remember, I had an uncle that would come stay with us from time to time, and he was a Gunsmoke fan. You may remember the old Gunsmoke series, okay, very good, everyone that's older than me raised their hand, no one younger than me raised their hand. But he, when he would come, that's what we would would watch for whatever reason. Now, in hindsight, I don't, I'm not even sure that my parents should have let me watch that. I don't know. I think it was okay, but, uh, but I remember at the very beginning, there would always be this previously on Gunsmoke, you know, so you'd kind of have to know what what happened before and where the bad guys were and who was trapped in the mine and who was doing whatever of that time. That's kind of where we are right now. Previously, if you'll remember, a couple of weeks ago when we were in Philippians. Chapter two, verse twelve. I'm gonna read our read our passage and we kind of wrestled with we wrestled with a little bit of of working out our salvation and what that meant, but maybe more specifically what it what it didn't mean and what some tried to make it mean. Now I'll ask you to forgive me a little bit because my teacher voice isn't there as much as what it normally is. I coached two basketball games this weekend. And because I don't have much of a voice left, you probably know which end of that we were on, because it meant there was lots of yelling that had to take place. So, so uh, when I try to get to that next, there's nothing there, I feel it. Uh, let's start in verse 12. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to will and to act for his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. Hold hold firmly the message of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run in vain or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you also should rejoice and share your joy with me. And you'll remember we started and we looked at we looked at working out your salvation and what that meant and, and that it, it definitely does not mean that we have to do some things in order to gain that salvation. There are so many ramifications to that of how even just in the word, it just doesn't logistically make sense for that to be so. But we did talk about what it meant, and we used that analogy of, of Claire and her milkshake in the back seat and the slurping noise that we hear to ensure that she gets every drop she works out that milkshake, making sure that she gets every ounce of benefit of it. And that's what, that's what Paul's telling the people of Philippians there and working out their salvation, that we are to, to suck every bit of marrow out of that bone of salvation. And I just want to revisit that because how often do we just we think that all it's about is a ticket to heaven? And we've missed what it means to be a child of God. We've completely missed what it means to be called one of His heirs. That's an amazing statement. And all we sometimes do is is think about the benefit of being able to have an eternity with Him, which is an incredible benefit, but it's only touching the surface of what it is that God wants from us. So that's the, the purpose that we're to achieve here was to, to ensure that we, are, that we are getting every ounce of benefit out of this salvation, out of his death on the cross and him rising again, that we have everything in that. And next, I want us to look at, there's a promise. There's a promise to believe. I'm going to work backward a little bit. We're actually going to jump down to verse 16, and I want us to see the promise to believe in, and then we're going to work back back up. So let's go to 16 there in chapter 2. It says, hold firmly the message of life. Well, what is, what is this message of life? What's the message? This is your part of the show. For, to bring Him glory, right? I mean, that's that's our message, right? What did Paul say when we very first started our our letter in studying of Philippians, we said the goal was the advancement of what? The advancement of the gospel. That's what he's encouraging us to do. That's the message of life that we've been given. We've been given this message that the only way to life is through him and through that gospel. That's the message. And where do we find that message? That message is in his word. So Paul's telling the Philippians here to hold firmly to that message. What does that mean to hold firmly to that message? It says to read it, to know it, to believe it, to be absorbed in it, that every day our life revolves around the message, the message of life, the gospel, His Word. The Word of God and the message in the gospel is not just about an hour and a half that we spend on a Sunday morning in a church building that we all crack open our Bibles and the pastor reads some verses to us and then we get to put it back away until next Sunday morning. That's not holding firm. It means to grasp. To grasp in such a way as if you were clinging for life. I think of a a boat that's being tossed and turned. And those that are there on the ship are holding on to anything that they can grasp a hold of to ensure that they don't fall overboard that's holding firm to the message of life do we have that do you have that same appreciation love respect and maybe even awe for the message of life Hold firm then to the message of Of life, Then I can boast in the day of Christ. Look what he says here in verse 17. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Look what he combines here in this verse. He combines two things that on the surface to us seem very polar opposite. He combines sacrificing and joy. How many of us, Find joy in sacrificing? Have any of you ever sacrificed anything? You've given up something in your diet, you've changed what you're doing, you've sacrificed getting to go do something that you would like to do because for someone else. Do you find joy in that? Rarely do th- those two things seem very opposite. How then does Paul use them together? Why does he use them together, and how is it possible for us to have joy in sacrifice? doing Doing it for him, that's true. So how does that make it? The only way that we can do that and that that makes sense to us is if we have held firmly to the message. You see how one thing kind of predicates the next? The only way we can find joy in sacrifice is if we're holding firmly to the message. All those things tied directly in together. So here I'm going to give you, and if that happens, I'm going to give you a formula for joy that we can have just like the little girl we saw on our video this morning who clearly had joy. Maybe a little out of rhythm, but clearly had joy. Right? A love for God's Word plus sacrifice equals joy. A love of God's Word plus sacrifice equals joy. That's what Paul is telling the Philippians here because he's telling them to, to hold on, to hold firm to the message of life and then we'll boast in Christ And we'll know that even if I've sacrificed and I've poured out my life, I've not done it in vain because we've held firm to the message of life. So, therefore, I can sacrifice because I'm holding on to what I know is true. Isn't it the most empty feeling to feel like that you have worked hard or that you've done something and then it proves to be in vain? That it didn't matter? Now, what my mind goes to, and I'm trying to determine do I call him out on it or not, and I'm going to. Several years ago, there was a friend of mine that asked me to help him roof a house. So I did, because he's a friend of mine. This friend's not your typical friend. So we're roofing. We're roofing the home, and there's like a... what what, Was there a ripple? Was there a... There was... Johnny, there was there was nothing. Huh? There was nothing there. You're a roof. there. roof. According to some, there was something. We roofed the whole side of the house. Guess what happened? It all got ripped up so that it could be redone. No, it was his house. And he saw a little something there. You can ask Jeremy Pielemeyer about it. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but he may want to. But there was a lot of work there done, what? In vain. Now, I haven't really thought about it much since then. (laughs) I'm not bitter at all. But you've all been there where you've done something, you've run, you've worked, you've labored, you've done something, and then the results of it are not there. What you were hoping for, the result of that work, proves not to be true, and it's fruitless, And is that not the most frustrating feeling? And that's what Paul was saying. He was, if we hold firm to the message, then I can know that no matter what happens to me, if my life is poured out as a drink offering, meaning if I die here in prison, if I die while in prison, and if I do not make it out of this alive, it's okay, I can find joy in that because I've held firm to the message of life. But sometimes we want to do a lot of things backwards. We want to just have the joy and not have the sacrifice. Or we want to just come and be students of God's Word. And we just want to be studious about it and maybe know some of it, but we don't really want to do a lot of the application and the sacrifices that it calls for. And we're wondering why we don't have this joy. And we're frustrated as believers because we don't have the joy that Scripture talks about, but yet we're not willing to apply the formula That's very clearly given. Love His Word. Sacrifice your life as a drink offering for it. And then you have joy. You can't just take one of those. You've got to have the entire formula for that to take place. That's the promise that Paul gives them to believe in. There is joy. There is joy when there's holding to the message of life. Sacrifice and application of what it says brings joy. Now as we're continuing to work backward, back up to verse 13, and I want us to see that there's a power to receive. There's a power to receive. Verse 13, For it is God who is working in you. Now that verse 13 starts with with the word for, and we, we've talked about this before, anytime you have something like that, we need to look back and see well, what it is. what is it that we're foring because of. So we jump back, and it's where he was talking about working out our salvation, and how are we to work out our salvation with what? With fear and trembling. For it is God working in you. That should give us cause for fear and trembling. When you think about the creator of the universe, that which has put everything in motion and everything is under his control, that same power is working in you. It should bring us fear and trembling. Enabling you. Energizing you. Empowering you. As I read through this, I thought about remote control cars. If you have remote control cars, they are really, you put them in, you put the new battery in, and how fun are they for the first, like, seven minutes, right? I mean, those things are just, and then after, you know, four and a half minutes, you can already start to see, just not not quite as quick, right? And then when you're going hard with it, and you never just barely go, do you, Jimmy? I mean, it's, you go all the way or nothing. That's how you drive remote control cars. But after about seven minutes, what happens to that battery? Yeah, it's, you're just kind of ying, ying. Or then you go, so then you go, and when you get close to it, it goes again. You know. That? So then you're just kind of chasing your remote control car because if you stay close to it, if you stay close to it, it still works, and that way you don't have to change the battery out, and then you just look like an idiot running around with your, or maybe I just look like an idiot because I'm the one that was doing it, and y'all were just sitting there. But that's, when we look at energizing, when we look at empowering, that's the same image that we have here. It's the battery that empowers that remote control car. And you take the battery out, there's, there's really not much to do with that. Well, if we're not inviting the Holy Spirit to work in us and allowing Him to work in us, then we've just got a remote control car sitting there. And we're confused why there's not joy. There's not a whole lot of joy in playing with a remote control car with a dead battery, is there? Not a whole lot of joy in that. Unless you're me as a dad, and I just tell them, oh, yeah, see, it's still cool. You just push it. It's still a cool toy. And when they're young, and it's the kind of remote control cars that makes lots of noise and stuff, and you just take the battery out. And say, yeah, this is what it does now. Look how many different functions it has. Right? That's some of us, right? because we're not holding on to the message of life and sacrificing and having the joy, so therefore we're just a remote control car that somebody's having to push around. And we're frustrated because we don't have that, that joy. It's God working in you, enabling you, Now look at this in verse 13. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you, okay, empowering you, energizing you, but look at the next. Both to will and to act for His good purpose. Interesting. Both to will and to act for His good purpose. We need to to look at that because there's really something there that sometimes we read over. Sometimes we just look at the fact that, okay, yeah, it's God that enables us, and we're all good with that. That makes sense, that it's His power, not our power, that that allows us to do those things. We buy into that. And we'll even buy into the fact that it's for His good purpose, that really the things that we do, the actions that we take, they should be to bring Him glory and not us. Oftentimes we can even get to that point, right? Right? But look at the little words here that Paul uses both to will and to act. What he's saying is that when we allow his spirit to work in us, it's not just that we're able to do these actions, it's not just that we have the power, the energy to do these actions that will bring him glory, but it now becomes what? Our will. It becomes what we desire to do. Can I be real honest? I think there are a lot of believers that we do a lot of things just out of obligation. Because we think that, well, I'm I'm a Southern Baptist Christian and this is what I'm supposed to do and these are the things I'm supposed to stay away from and these are the boxes I'm supposed to check and this is how many services I'm supposed to come to a month or whatever it is. And we check all of our nice boxes so that we can be a nice church-going, church member, Southern Baptist Christian. But we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work within us in a way that enables us to will and to act. We're just doing the act and saying we're doing it for God's glory, but really our will is that we'd rather be doing something else. Our heart, our desire is, we'd rather be doing this or in this way. And we're confused as to why we can't find joy in that. And that all comes back to holding firm to the message of life. If God's Word is something that you glance through whatever passages the pastor is preaching on on Sunday mornings, you will never get to that point that He is enabling you in such a way that you are not only acting, but you are willing. It is just part of who you are. It is your desire, and you find joy in that, because you will always be in a place where you're doing someone else's ideas or thoughts or actions. But when we hold true to the message of life, when we hold true to, I mean, holding firm, clinging to it as if it is our very refuge and salvation, then the Holy Spirit will enable us and we will be able to will and to act in a way that brings Him glory. And whenever we are able to will and to act in ways that brings Him glory, then we will have glory. Joy through that. But too often times we want to take pieces or we want to take parts and we don't want to take the whole and be confused as to why we don't have joy. So he follows that. He follows that whole scenario of of using God's power to will and to act according to His good purpose. And look at verse 14. Do everything, how? Without grumbling and arguing. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Interesting that that he put that in there. I think it's because he knew His people. And really not even His people, but He knew people. And he knew that when people start sacrificing, when people start doing Things and acting and having to work a little bit, what's going to happen very often? There's going to be grumbling and there's going to be arguing. How you do anything is how you do everything. I think Paul would have added that in here if there had been that phrase then. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation. Do it all without arguing or grumbling so that others can see there's a difference in how you do what you do. You know, right now we live in a society and in a generation that actually is a very giving one. If you just look at the fact of charitable giving, if you look at the volunteer service hours, there is constantly some group doing something for someone, right? Are their purposes and are their wills always to bring God glory? No. Are they good things that they're doing? Sure, absolutely. But in that... The end game or the fruit that those things or actions bear are not the same as when we as a body of believers hold true to the message of life, sacrifice that, have the action that we will to do, and then it brings us joy. That joy that they talk about in getting, I'm happy to help one another, it is so short-lived. And because of that, there is what? Arguing and grumbling. Arguing and grumbling among those groups because of the reason that it's there. So now he tells us that we should be children of God faultless in a crooked, perverted generation among whom, among whom meaning that we are here in this, in this world, in this society, a crooked, perverse generation if we are allowing God to enable us and do these things, then we should shine like what? Shine like stars among them. I want to camp right here for just a little bit. We're even going to see a clip on a video that, that is a little bit longer than typically I would show it as a clip, but but you kind of have to see the whole thing to really get the message is what I want to leave us with today. Paul's asking us to shine like stars. To shine like stars among a crooked and perverse generation. So I think about that, and when you look up at the at the sky, how many stars are there? There's more than four. <laughs> There's more than the toes and fingers that I have, so I can't really count. I mean, there's a lot, right? So I just I found it interesting that that Paul didn't say shine like the sun. The sun's brighter, isn't it? He didn't say shine even like the moon, where you could make the analogy, because, you know, the moon is a reflection of the sun, and that sort of thing, so that would be a cool little analogy that Paul could have made, would have made sense. But he said the stars, whom there are myriads and myriads of, I think he wants to make the point here that you're not alone. You're not alone in what you're doing. Both us as a body, guys, let me have your eyes for a minute. We are not the only body on the face of the earth that's praising God, that's studying His Word, that's diving in and learning who He is and trying to will and act according to His purpose. We're not alone as a body. You're not alone as an individual. You're not alone as a family in doing that. Sometimes we need to be careful because we try to, we almost become prideful in waving this I'm alone banner, but I'm still doing it. We need to be very careful with that because oftentimes it's really you're pointing out that look at me. Look at me, even though everybody else is not. This is what I am doing. This is what our family is doing. We need to be very careful with that. And I think it's why Paul used stars and not something else because when you look, the the thing about stars and the thing about getting to see their beauty is the number of them. Is how many, especially when you go out somewhere where it's just completely dark and you get away from the lights of the city and all you can see are the stars, the thing that you notice is how beautiful all of them are. But then I want to go, we're going to watch this this video clip, because I want to go one step further as to what do you think this could mean for us. What does it mean to be like a star in this universe? And Louis Giglio does a very good, he's researched this, and there's a very good uh, message that he preaches on this, and this is just an excerpt from it that I want you guys to, See and think about when we talk about stars, Paul is comparing us to stars, so this is who we should be. All right, Jared.
1: Seeing a radio frequency out of itself. And so not only do we have this amazing photograph, but we're determined to hear somebody speaking to us, and so through SETI and other highly advanced. uh, electromagnetic telescope programs. We're listening to the universe day and night. But we have got something for our money, because when they aim the radio telescopes at the Vela Pulsar, this is what they heard. And this is what this guy does 24-7, day and night, 365 days a year. This is what, from 1,000 light years away, the Vela Pulsar sounds like right now. This is it. Listen to this. But I, that blew me away. I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible. You're like, well, what does it mean? I don't know. Is that some kind of Morse code for something? Or what does what, what all that mean? I don't know what it means, but I, and I don't want to you know, go too crazy here. But maybe the Bella Pulsar got rid somehow innately of Psalm 148, verse 3, and says, Let's praise the sun and moon and all you shining stars. We're shining star. We should praise him. Well, how are we going to praise him? I know. Let's. 11 times a second on our axis and see if we can send a radio signal into the universe that would join in the symphony of God's praise from all creation. It's singing. The stars are singing to him. I recently stumbled on 47 Tuck. It's a beautiful cluster of stars. I'll show you the picture of it here. It's about um, 16,700 light years away from where we are. And you can see just this brilliant, it looks like a sort of shoved a lot of diamonds together into a pile. It's um, an unbelievable number of stars there. Look at these, they blow up that central place right there. There are 12 of these super giant blue stars in there, but the things that are of interest to us tonight are these millisecond pulsars 23 millisecond pulsars are there. And we've recorded 16 of them. And right now tonight, while we're sitting in this room, 16 recorded millisecond pulsars, 47 top five, making this sound. String sets you. Beautiful. And we just looked at one 11 times a second pulsar and 16 millisecond pulsars, and we start seeing Psalm 48 come to life. But look down at verse 7. It says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all these. I love that he starts with you great sea creatures. We were in Hawaii a few months ago, and it was whale season there, and I was captivated by these giant beasts, and they, they seemed like they were putting on a show for us, and it was beautiful, and as we were talking to some of the natives about the whales and asking all these questions, how do they get here every year, And are they never to come to the same place to have they're, they're young, they're offspring, and how do they know how to journey? He said, oh, you know, the whales, one of the main ways they get around it is through the whale songs that they sing. So I started doing a little research, and I go online to find it. The whale songs, the whale songs could sound like this right here. Take a listen. and I had this crazy idea and I, I, um, I don't know if you know what a mashup is or not, but I had this crazy mashup idea. I'm not a DJ but uh, just a little thing just quickly, and I, I want you to see how this works I, I brought this guy in and, um, he's um, not somebody that we had uh, going already, but um, I brought one guy in, he, he should, you should be here, right I don't know, are we, are we on? Yeah, we could give you a little more volume that'd be great, thank you very much it's even a little more volume, would be fantastic. Thank you. I gotta max go. This guy, we didn't look at his picture. He's PSR B0329-54. And he's only rotating one and a half times per second, which is not all that much, but we need him in our little experiment we're gonna do here, okay? Um, and then we have the Bell pulsar. You remember the bell pulsar, right? That's that's a little too fast. Is just two pulsars slowed down and put in sync with each other. So we're going to put the uh, millisecond guys in there. The ones you just heard, here they come. But they might be i more time, see it works. Oh,
0: one more, A. Ah. <laughs> that's cool, isn't it? We're not alone. We are not alone in what we are called to do. So, when Paul says to shine like stars, he's not just given some cute analogy about being a shining light or being bright or being noticed. It's in everything we do, this is what the stars are doing. They're not just being seen, but they're being heard. Hold on to the message of life. So that we can have joy as He enables us to do the will and the work for His purpose. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for how selfish, for how prideful, Father, for the grumbling and the arguing, Father, forgive us that we've not had. Love of your word that we don't cling to it as a sailor holding to his ship. But Father, thank you for the stars, thank you for the word that you've given to us through Paul. as He asks us to shine like stars in a crooked and perverse world. Father, thank You for showing us this morning that it's so much more than just how we look or how we're seen and some perception that we hope to give off. But that, Father, we are to cling to Your Word, be willing to sacrifice in order that we can have Joy that you enable us to will and to act according to your purpose. And because of that, we will not be able to stand it within ourselves and we will have to sing and shout and say your name over and over and over. Father, anything short of that, Anything short of a life that is lived in that way is labor that is in vain. So Father, this morning I pray that we leave this place tired of running and laboring in vain. But that we leave enabled, empowered, and energized to will and act according to your purposes. That we can shine and sing like the stars. Father, we love you and we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus.
1: Amen.